Welcome to Friendo Podcast, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. As a YouTuber, I've shared my life online for the last eight years, and now I'm excited to learn about you. Friendo celebrates people and their stories, from interesting jobs to unique passions and curious life skills that the world should hear about. Community is everything. Let's do this. I remember when I was pregnant with Esme, and for anyone who's been pregnant or become a parent in some way, I don't know if everyone goes through this, but I feel like there's a moment where it almost is like too real, like the whole situation is, oh my goodness, I'm about to do this new thing to become a parent. There's no guidebook. So for me, the immediate response was, panic and fear and a lot of tears, probably very hormone induced. And I remember sharing this with Dean and just the reality of how much our life was going to change. And he not obviously not laughing at me, but consoling me and just being like, no, you've got this. You're going to be a great mom. Like, don't even worry about it. And I wonder at the time if a lot of my fears were rooted in a somewhat hot and cold relationship that I've had with my mom over the years, because that was my blueprint for motherhood. Now, I will say that as I record this at 36 years old, my mom and I have worked hard to mend our relationship. And I feel like we're in such a good place right now, probably the best we've been in years and years and years. And I attribute it to a lot of things, but I know on my end, because I can only speak from my own experience, that I just, I look at her in a different way. I see her as her own person, flawed, with great qualities, things that I have taken from her and and do in my life that some of them I'm like, oh God, I'm my mom again. Or, you know, like there's all of these things that you gain from people in your life. And I know that the good, the bad, all of the in-between I sort of have had a chance to pick through and choose the elements that I wanted to carry on into my motherhood experience. And I know that possibly because of the challenges that my mom and I have experienced over the years, I was seeking out female friendships and really wanting to understand other women's relationships to their mothers. And It's just a very interesting concept to me because I, of course, am now a mother to two amazing humans. One of them is a girl, and I'm curious about that relationship and how I'm going to impact her, good and bad. And I joke that there's things she's probably going to bring up in therapy when she's older because, I mean, we're all a mixed bag, right? What I found so beautiful about my guest Danica's story was this one line about how she did not have a blueprint for motherhood, good or bad, because of the loss of her mother when she was a child. Danica is a wife and a mother of two young children. She's currently living in southwestern Ontario, and she's been working in her career in the charity and international development sector for eight years, and she's super passionate about podcasts and going on adventures with her family and her faith. And so when Danica reached out and I was able to read her words about her experiences as a young girl losing her mother growing up with her dad and her brother, and then of course embarking on her own motherhood journey and not really knowing one way or the other what 
she was going to be like as a mom, not really having a blueprint for what that looked like. And I just found it so impactful as I considered my role in my life as a mother and how I relate that back to my own mother. And I just, I found this conversation very eye-opening, very painful at some points to hear, to imagine the loss of this family and what they endured. And also the hope that there is opportunity to seek out comfort and community in people around you and to find friendships that help fill that space and to find communities online that help you navigate through your journey. And I think that in our lives, loss is inevitable. It's going to be there. And it's what do we do next? You know, how do we pick up the pieces? How do we move forward? And so I hope that you enjoy this conversation today with Danica. I know I did. Kindly note that the audio is a little bit harsh just for a few minutes, but it will transition into an easier listening audio. Thank you for your patience. It's just tricky. We're not all content creators with a full-on studio in our homes, and we're just doing our best, but this conversation is worth it. Thank you for sticking around. Welcome to the podcast, Danica. Thanks, Amanda, for having me. I'm very excited and intrigued by this topic, being a mother myself and having, you know, a relationship with my own mom and women in my life. And so what I thought we could start with is just a little bit about yourself and what drew you to submit your story to the podcast. Yeah. So my name is Danica. I live in Southwestern Ontario with my husband and my two kids, Um, but I was actually born and raised in rural Northern Alberta. Uh, met my husband at college in Alberta, and then we relocated uh, back out to this area where he's from. So I've been in this area for um, going on nine years. Um, my two children are four, my daughter is four, and my son is a year and a half. Um, in my day-to-day life, I work for an international development charity um, in the finance department, uh, doing work that I really enjoy and am passionate about. The idea submission that I I sent to you, Amanda, was the concept that I don't really know exactly how I came to these words, but the idea of mothering without a mother. So um, I lost my mother to cancer when I was eight years old and then was raised by my father as a single parent from then on. Uh, So my my core family unit from that point on was my father, myself, and then I have a younger brother. There were several aspects of that loss that I didn't really recognize until I was becoming a mother myself, um, being pregnant and then, and then entering into motherhood. Um, yeah, so it's, it's an area that I'm still learning and exploring, but I think it's a concept that isn't talked a lot about. Um, and so I thought maybe my story could be of use or encouragement for others. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting what you said about how you know, you didn't necessarily realize certain parts, like the loss obviously is huge, right? But there's little moments where you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think this would happen, or I didn't think I would need this person so much at this time. And you make a great point about, you know, it not necessarily being discussed. Cause I do feel like 
there is so much real life that people are talking about online, but it's still tricky to talk about difficult relationships with other people because it involves another person. So if it's a challenging mother-daughter relationship or just not having a mom and not knowing where to go for guidance when it comes to motherly type of influences. So I suppose like one of my first questions is, you know, what is the relationship like with your dad and what was it like from that young age? My goodness. Did you know we've released a shop where you can support Frendo? Check out hellofrendo.com and explore. That's H-E-L-L-O F-R-I-E-N-D-O.com and shop mugs, shirts, stickers, hoodies, and more. We're constantly adding new goodies for you. Your purchase directly supports the show and the work involved in creating it for your ears. So thank you. Check out hellofrendo.com. All right, back to the show. To be a parent, losing your partner, with your children being so young and then from your point of view as a child losing your mom. So what was that like um, with your dad? Yeah, my dad, um, yeah, my upbringing was very unique. So my, there's no handbook that anyone has created to what to do as a parent after losing your spouse and raising young children. So there were plenty of challenges, but there are so many things I appreciate about the way that my dad um raised my brother and I. Um, I'm still very close to my dad. I we have a great physical distance. He still is in my hometown in northern Alberta and I live here. And so the physical distance can be challenging at times, but I talk to him several times a week. Um and yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's been it's been a journey. <laughs> um but I think um the uh the age of us as kids the time it was the 90s like there was a lot of different things around grief um and and those types of support that just weren't as um, accessible or talked about um openly um as there is today so I think that's a huge influence as to as to our upbringing but overall I had a really um lovely childhood with my brother and my dad surrounded by a great community as well and that jumps to something else I was curious about is, you know, how fortunate, first of all, to have such an awesome dad, right? Stepping into two roles type of thing. Um, did you have influences in your life that you would consider maternal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple really key ones um, in my upbringing, uh, specifically the most key one would be a family friend. So this was a woman who um, uh, I was... First, I guess maybe first introduced to her daughter. Um, we were we were babies at the same babysitter type of situation, um, and then our moms became friends, um, and they were very close friends. And then our brothers are the same age, and so on. So uh, that woman, she um, has been super integral in my life as a motherly influence. So when my mother was um, battling cancer, actually, my brother and I lived with this family um, because of the geographical distance between where we were from and where my mom was receiving treatment. Uh, it was kind of decided that it would be better for continuity and for our well-being to, you know, stay in our roots as kids, stay in our routine of going to school and being with our friends to a degree and stuff. So um, really from that point on, she was a huge influence in raising me. We spent um, probably the 
probably about four to five months living with this family, like pretty consistently um, with some back and forth uh, as my mother was able to be not in hospital and, and transferred between hospitals. Um, yeah, so from that point forward, uh, really, she uh, was very integral in my upbringing. I spent a lot of time with that family, um, as did my brother. Um, and now, you know, it's evolved and, and now they're very much a grandparent, uh, play a grandparent role to my, to my two kids as well. So I feel very fortunate for that, for them. Um, other friends, mothers and family dynamics also are very, like have been, are, were very influential to me. Um, just to be able to see, to see different family dynamics. So, um, also recognizing that my dad didn't have a spouse or significant other. So even just witnessing what marriages, <laughs> uh, look like as well and navigating, uh, a family unit in that way. So, um, I certainly had influences, um, in that regard. Um, and then, uh, and then evolving to now, like having motherly influence through my mother-in-law, um, and my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I find that I notice that as a mom, sometimes when like there will be certain friends of my kids who will want to spend a lot of time with either myself or Dean. And it's very interesting how children, they do naturally kind of gravitate to maybe something they're curious about or a relationship that maybe isn't the strongest in their life or maybe non-existent in situations mm-hmm. where there is a loss of a parent. And it's very curious as a parent when you start to notice that because you're thinking, oh, oh yes, like I'm, I'm a mom to these ones, but you influence other people and not necessarily realizing your reach. So you know, one of the things you had mentioned was that, you know, you had lost your mom at a time where the internet was not like it is today, where with Mm -hmm. a quick type of grief counseling for children, you know, your dad would have had hundreds of things to research. So I'm curious, you know, was there that, you know, that emphasis of we're going to get these kids some counseling, we're going to involve them in, I don't know, maybe it's religious sport, you know, Sundays at church, you're going to have these people or you're going to go do sports or was there any of that for you? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes and no. So yes to one part, no to another, I'd say, but, um, we grew up, I grew up in a quite a small community. So, um, definitely benefited from that small community. Um, so right, you know, through the process of my mother being ill and then passing, like, staff members, administration, teachers in our school were very supportive um, to my brother and I. And I always felt like there was just maybe a little bit extra looking out for us in some regards. Um, So that's really special. We were, you know, I was very involved with extracurriculars. I figure skated for my whole childhood. um, And so found a lot of community through that and support through through those types of things. and through, we had a church community as well that supported us. Um, in the terms of grief counseling, I'd say that was different. So, you know, in that day and age, yeah, there just wasn't as much knowledge or access to information. Um, so I remember there being like a school counselor that, you know, would travel around to the schools in our school board type of thing. And at that time to access that, you had to be like pulled out of your class in the middle of a class 
and taken to a little room somewhere in the school where you would speak with a counselor. Um, and obviously, like the administration at our school and teachers and stuff were very encouraging of, of, of me trying that and doing that. But I did not want to do it. <laughs> it's just not the ideal setting, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a eight, nine, 10 year old, like you don't want to be singled out at, at all. <laughs> so um, it was this, you know, the I just remember being like, so embarrassed and shy and like something was wrong with me because this man would knock on the classroom door and, you know, take me away for an hour or something. Um, and so my dad didn't push that then at that point. So it was, it was available, but it wasn't, it wasn't pushed upon us um, in, in any way. So um, yeah, so we, there wasn't any really formal I guess, formal, uh, grief, uh, grieving guidance, I would say. So as a kid, we had gone through, you know, a divorce. And so there was that kind of loss. And I remember my parents really trying to help with some of the counseling. And I remember sitting in a counselor's office and now, or a therapist, I suppose, now having been to lots of therapy in my life and seeing the shift. And I think the biggest shift is how therapists come to children in their setting. So that it's mm -hmm. a setting that's comfortable for kids. And it's, it's like a, it's not sneaky, but it's kind of sneaky. It's not like we're going to sit like grownups and we're going to talk about things that are impacting you. Kids are like, get me out of here. You know, now kids are play settings and it's different mm -hmm. and they feel comfortable. Like the, it was a good intention, but it wasn't the right form formula to really support kids going through these hard things. Yeah, definitely. Now, thinking about, you know, having a better understanding of what that was like for you as a kid and sort of some of the supports in place, but the really great things of like these strong females in your life, these strong female presence, this maternal type of aspect that you probably didn't even really realize was going to impact you in your journey into motherhood. Now, I'm wondering, what has that journey been like? So you find your person, you decide to start a family. And you had mentioned to me this really great line about, you know, not having a blueprint, either good or bad. And that really mm -hmm. struck me because a lot of us who do have our mothers still with us, it's like some of those relationships are good. Some are great. Some are not so great. And so we get to pick and choose what we like, but when you haven't had that exposure, what's that like? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, um, entering into motherhood, I, I always wanted to be a mother. That that was very clear from a very. I mean, I played the role of a mother in my family dynamic um, to my to my brother to with my dad. Like, there's unique family dynamics in general. But I always knew I wanted to have my own children. Um, and yeah, I don't. I didn't really. It wasn't until I was pregnant that I think I started to think about how am I going to be a mother? Like, do I know how to be a mother? Um, and yeah, the blueprint thing, like, like you said, um, you know, I have friends and peers who um, have had a lot of like nervousness about becoming a mother because they don't have a great relationship with their mother and whether they're going to turn into their mother and emulate that exactly the same or, or they have a great relationship in their mother and they, with their mother and they want to do everything exactly the same way they did. 
And so, yeah, not having a blueprint. So not, not having, not having a list of, of goods and bads to pick and choose from to try to formulate my, uh, to my mother in style, I guess. It's not even, I didn't even realize it at the time, but when I became pregnant is when I started seeking out people like yourself, people who um, I could see something about myself in them um, and, and, and mothers. So you being one of those people, but a few other, you know, Canadian um, mom (laughs) who I follow on YouTube and social media. Um, and it has only been in the last little bit that I recognized that, oh, that was the timing that I started seeking this out, um, and, and gravitating to people online, um, for some of that, uh, guidance, I think. Yeah. Bringing that up is pretty neat to hear because I think as a creator, you realize you're creating community but you don't sometimes re- understand the reasons why people are drawn to you. And I, I've recalled over the years talking about the concept of family vlogging and how a lot of children gravitate to that because maybe they would like what they see. They want mm-hmm. that family dynamic. But I have to be honest, I've never considered it from that side of it, like seeking out what mothering is like. However, saying that is kind of ridiculous because I did exactly the same thing. So I remember uh, like t- 2009, 2010, I go, no, I guess it would have been 2010 because 2009, I was busy doing other things. But 2010, I moved to Malaysia and I was thinking about having a family and I had found this one girl. She doesn't create content anymore, but I still remember like here she was just like peeling potatoes at the kitchen. She's pregnant. She's got a couple kids running around, peeling potatoes, talking about life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm sitting at the kitchen counter with her, you know? And I feel like she's this example of a mom I'd like to be. And she had all these things that I really admired in mothering. And so, yeah, I think you've, you've basically put into words something I didn't even realize I had done. And it was seeking out a, an example of mothering. How did that community help you? How did you find your footing um, feeling like you didn't really have a path? And you're going to make your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, I think in, in adjacent to that also is I really was the first one of, you know, my kind of core group of friends, people that I'm close to that to have children as well. So, um, so that was another aspect of like, not really um, having examples too nearby to, to really witness. Um, yes. Um, samesies. Cause I'm a firstborn and yeah. I was like a very far away from everybody else having babies. And honestly, that's why I started this whole thing. Cause I was like, well, yeah. I guarantee it'll, you know, attract some like-minded similar stage women and we can talk about this. Right. So right. I get it. I think it's a totally normal and also how awesome that that exists for us right now. Right. Like motherhood is so lonely and can be so isolating. So kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. I also interrupted yeah. your answer, but yes, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, really in the first year of being a mom, I just plowed through and um, like, I'm an introvert. So it wasn't really lonely. <laughs> like I was okay. I got you. Yeah. Yep. I was okay with just being solo for the most uh-huh. part. Um, and then as some more of my friends and peers started and people local to me or also friends who are farther away um, started having children um, feeling like I could share a little bit of insight was was nice um and then both of my children have attended a, like a wonderful daycare with amazing staff 
Um, and I've learned a lot from the women and staff that work there around like how they talk to the children and uh, different strategies around how to handle certain behaviors and things like that. And so I've gleaned a lot from them. They probably don't right, realize that, but I've, you know, tried to sponge up what I can from them as well since this is their, that's their job. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those have been, you know, um, areas where I've, I've started to learn. Um, my mother-in-law is a very different personality than me, but she raised wonderful children and she's a lovely grandmother. And so there are definitely things that she emulates that I, I like to um, also put into practice in my family as well. Do you feel like right now, here you are with two young children and there's so many stages to come. So where you are right now, like, do you feel like you're missing something? Like, do you feel that that loss of your mom? I mean, I'm sure you do, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I, um, I do in, in, in various ways. I think, um, trying to describe to my daughter how the family tree works and like where, why doesn't Papa have a wife and who was your mom and, and that type of thing. And so I think she's kind of a get, got, she's kind of got it now a little bit. And we talk about, my mom a fair bit. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think about what type of person my mom could have been as a grandma. Um, I do, I do think about that. Having those conversations with little ones because it's very layered, right? It's not just, it's okay. Now we're talking like if you believe in heaven or afterlife and then that's like a whole other segue. And then it's like so many little conversations, but they're such, they need to know and they should know. Right. I feel yeah. like those conversations are so important at that, at these different ages and four seems little, but it's like, they, they're already picking up so much. You know, you did mention one thing and I'm trying to figure out how to come back to it, but you mentioned how growing up, like you played different roles, right? Like you kind of played a maternal role to a sibling. And then there's also an element of, I don't want to like, you know, get too therapized or therapy, but it's like the parentified child, right? Like sometimes we can play those roles. Um, I'm not, you didn't say you did that, but I'm sort of hearing maybe a little of it. And I know that I did that and it's a hard role to break. Like I find in my, in my current journey through motherhood, it's like, I have to remember that like, I'm not the boss of my husband and like, like he can parent his own way and I don't have to over parent. And, you know, cause sometimes I feel like I'm making up for lost experiences, who knows, but do you find any of those things in your life right now where you're kind of learning with your partner or trying to unlearn things? Um, I think occasionally it can, like it can kind of come in a little bit of um, like if I have an idea and he's not on board, um, I mean, that's marriage too, but <laughs> I feel like in some, some topics or something in my, in my upbringing as the female in the dynamic, I got some sway. Right. <laughs> and sometimes that sway isn't the same. <laughs> He's like, not today, lady, not yeah, today. Yeah. Oh, um, so you did, you did say you, you definitely share her story. Like you're sharing that the memories with your kids. And so like, she is part of your life even now. And like, this is something that your kids are being exposed to. Yeah. To 
a degree. I mean, with my age being quite young when she passed, I don't have a lot of vivid, clear memories of her. Um, personally, I think I have memories that have been formed by um, stories and information from others, but um, I don't have a lot of really distinct, uh, vivid memories of her directly, I guess I would say. Um, so I feel somewhat limited in sharing who she was as a person uh, with my kids because I don't, I don't feel like I have a great understanding of that. Um, to a, to a certain extent, but, um, yeah, but it's always fun then when like my dad or other members in our family can share something about, about my mom with them that I'd maybe don't remember, but, um, they can share that, that with her. My daughter loves looking at pictures. So, um, we have a few pictures of my mom that she enjoys, enjoys looking at too. Love that. I was listening to a podcast uh, just yesterday. I was cleaning up my office finally after a million years and thinking about our interview today. And this line came up like, um, you know, how we don't often think about our parents before they were parents. And, you know, what you're saying, you know, sharing stories of her, like it helps keep them, you know, here with us, but also helps put puzzle pieces together about who they were. And I'm sure there's so much that, you know, that nature versus nurture thing that you likely do that she did that you might not even realize. It's like this connection that just is there because of who she is to you. And I like to think about that sometimes, like, you know, as, as I've gone through my journey in motherhood, you know, my relationship with my mom has shifted and it's been up and it's been down. And now mm -hmm. I feel it's so different. Becoming a mother changes so many elements to that storyline. Cause you kind of think like, oh yeah, this isn't the easiest gig and there is no handbook. And she was likely just doing the best she could with the tools that she had. And you know what? I try to think about her now almost like as a real person, you know, like who is she, what are her interests rather than what I didn't get kind of thing. Mm. And it's, so it's kind of like, it's interesting how becoming a mother just shifts our relationship to our own mothers. Um, and I guess, you know, that kind of leads to like this concept of our awareness of self and, you know, how we fit into this big puzzle. And I'm curious, you know, what has helped you in your self-awareness journey up to this point? Yeah, um, I feel like I have been relatively self-aware for an extended period <laughs> of my adult life. Um, I like left home like right after high school and never really returned. <laughs> um, and so that was really formative in terms of like exerting my independence, not from a rebellious standpoint or anything, but just being able to... Um, to go out on my own with, with not quite the same responsibilities as I had in my home dynamic. Um, and so, yeah. And so I just, just over time, I've just, you know, I catch myself being like, Oh, I think this might be why you do this or, <laughs> or um, yeah. Even just talking about like seeking out mothering examples like it's only been now I mean that was four plus years ago that I was doing that and it's only been in the last like year year and a half that I'm like oh that's why I'm like quite attached to these people no kidding <laughs> yeah it's continual it's very internal also it involves my personal faith as a Christian and um yeah and it's 
it's only just beginning to invite like therapy, actually, like formal therapy into the process. I'm just in the beginning stages of that. Um, so I think there's more, more to come. And there's so much that um, I feel that gets unpacked as the ages of your children change. So like I went through, like I was doing some really consistent therapy and then I was like, the pandemic, bye. And I'm fine. And then I realized maybe I'm not so fine. So here we are back again. And it's interesting sometimes when you just sit down and you create a space, whether it's formal therapy or meditation or whatever it is, where you allow yourself to just like let it flow out of you. And it's curious how things will come up at different stages. So I don't want to like predict the future for you or anything, but I know when my daughter hit the age that my parents divorced, it triggered some stuff. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's why like, I feel these certain things or, you know, when you remember, I'll speak for myself. When I remembered like the, the shift in my family dynamic, well, that entire memory is packaged up nicely in the mind of a nine-year-old or whatever I was, right? A seven-year-old. So to unpack those feelings and to kind of cherish the little person in you who had experienced those things at that time and how you help her get through the rest of your, you know, it's like this whole journey with self. It's like, I didn't know that getting into motherhood, that there would be yeah. so yeah. much of us that is exposed to these humans walking around outside of us that we take care of. Right. It's like, Oh my God, I didn't know that was going to come up. Right. And like, I would say also like I have a core group of friends that have known me like my whole life. So from five years old on. And so um, they are a great accountability group, a a check, like a check back type of group. I mean, we do that for each other, but um, as I process things, they're a great group to, you know, just check in and be like, okay, does this make sense? Like, (laughs) does this relate to something that I experienced as a child? Like, what's your memory of this, of this time in our lives? Um, And so I find that really, really helpful and really important to like my building of self-identity as well. Um, They're just, yeah, they're really special people (laughs) for sure. I think also the like, um, just as it's become more commonplace to talk about things like trauma, like, I think that also was very um, built a lot of awareness in me that what I experienced as a child from losing my mother was traumatic. No one used that word. Nope. It was like people <laughs> like PTSD time. was like for war veterans and like, exactly. that was about it. Now we're like, Oh no, no, this is layered. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think just as, as mental wellness and, and, and things like PTSD and trauma are, are more widely talked about. I think, I imagine I'm not the only one who is now finding, <laughs> finding nuggets of that, you know, just having terminology um, and explanations to why you might be feeling something about that. But as you, yeah, that's a very good point. I was nodding when you were saying like, when your daughter got to the age that you're, that you were like, I am very much preparing myself for that that time um because I I imagine it will be an interesting season of motherhood when I recognize like oh I'm now here I mean Lord willing I will be here mm-hmm. um I'm now here longer than my mother was right so in terms of the the, the age of my children so absolutely absolutely yeah. It sounds like you have a really wonderful support in your life. Like that is such a blessing for you. My goodness. And it feels like even more now with these times of 
being, you know, I say stuck at home or safe at home and, you know, kind of prioritizing what we need in order to get by. And it kind of really, it's simple stuff. It's connection. It's like roofs and foods and like these important things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you know, do you have tips from your experiences or for families that, you know, might be in a similar situation. It's, it's devastating to think about the loss of a parent, but these things happen, you know, tips that could help them better support their children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it would all depend on the age of children for sure. Um, I think, you know, I turned my nose up to like counseling as a child, but I think the opportunities and the access to, like you were saying before, um, play-based therapy and things like that, where that wasn't what was happening in the nineties. Um, but I would encourage that for children, um, as much as families would have the ability to access that type of, of therapy. I think having outlets, um, for a child going through trauma, um, is important. So I, I would, (laughs) I would encourage that, um, in this day and age. And I'd say, like, if you are a friend of a family going through that, like, be present, like, just be solid and loyal and present, Um, even if they don't seem like they want it or need it or push people away, like, um, those that were consistent and solid and loyal alongside of my family for the last 20 plus years, like, they, their value is indescribable. And so I would I would highly recommend that for anyone if you have, if you know of a family going through, going through something similar. I love that you brought that up because I think that a lot of times, not necessarily every culture, but a lot of places, people will feel like they don't want to impose or they don't want to, you know, we drop off a meal and then we kind of check out. But I think that, yeah, there are times where people might resist it because of the, all of the feelings that are coming with a life experience, a trauma, as you say, and just keep showing up, right? Like I know that there's been times in my life where I was like, resist, resist, but looking back, you're just trying to protect, you know, you're trying to protect yourself and you're building your little fortress, but people Mm -hmm. need to come barreling through that and pull you free from it and help you give you the tools, give you just the love, you know, the listening, all these little things. And I thank you very much for your time today because I know that this is a tricky topic. You know, Mm -hmm. it brings up a lot of emotions. And um, I think that there's a lot of people who could benefit from hearing your story. And I just, I'm really grateful for you. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I know when you, I mean, first shared about the opportunity of people sharing their stories, I I applied right away, (laughs) right away and thought, yeah, maybe my story can help someone. Um, It's, it's, been more therapeutic for me, the more I can talk about it as well. Welcome to the man friend portion of today's episode with Dean. Man friendo. My favorite man friend. I think I'm uh, your only man friend. This is true. I don't leave this house. I don't really encounter many other humans. So it's just us, buddy. So today's guest, Danica, was a very lovely, a little bit sad. Yeah, I got a little bit of emotion uh, that, um, a little bit of emotional listening to that because, you know, you, you really like, when you listen to her speak, 
that's someone that really experienced a loss and that that losing her mother was such a blow and then the doubt and we all have those doubts about that that missing uh, piece in our life but the doubt of like how would I be a mother without a mother Mm -hmm. you know what it's absolutely like wow it's a good question too I mean I can't think of my life without my mother yes but I'm a father and my father was awesome taught me how to use a saw and how to deal with people in business and all types of things what would I have ended up like had I not had that do you ever think about that I do I think you know when I was listening to her story um you think like with you know I'm very fortunate I have both my mom and my dad I also have a stepdad and I got to pick the parts that I wanted to bring into my role as a parent and kind of leave some of the things I wasn't too interested in yeah um but I, I thought it was very interesting how she spoke about that. Like she didn't have the blueprint to pick the parts that she wanted to keep or not keep. She just didn't know. Right. And I think that there's so much doubt. And I know a lot of my listeners would agree, like before you become a parent, if that's a path you choose or you're lucky enough to have, there is a lot of doubt because you don't know what you're doing. There isn't a rule book or a guidebook. Right. And how different it is now. Like, of course, there isn't a rule book, but now we can connect through the internet through various mothers groups or just women are really supporting each other more in so many roles but think of it 40 years ago or 50 years ago when there wasn't that around but i mean maybe in certain communities like if you lost your mother you know you had a group of friends or or whatever it was more social back and forth and whatever but we're less of that now so it's kind of there was a little bit of a dead spot and then it goes more towards tech, you know, depending on technology and podcasts and, you know, all social media and that type of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. You actually, you bring up a point because it's true. Mm-hmm. Like in the 90s, I'm trying to think back to when I think Danica is a similar age to I am, you know, when you're growing up, it's like nobody was hanging out on the Internet. So you still have to tap into communities. Um but how, you know, I'm trying to think like, now, how would you parent without community? And I think that's the word that just keeps coming to me from this conversation, like how important it is, you know, when she was speaking about how when she was young, and they had a wonderful friend of the family that really, you know, took them under their wing and, and are, are still today really important members of her of her tribe or her community. And yeah. how she was able to seek out examples of motherhood online and you know, I didn't even think about that aspect. I Like I said in the episode, like I was so used to thinking about kids who kind of sought out family vlogging style of channels because they maybe felt like there was a loss in their life. But I never thought about it from the adult side of it where, you know, you're looking to others for examples right. of maybe how to go through this journey of parenting. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, the positivity like just to get back on the social media contribution to the individual nowadays it's like a lot of people i i I don't know a lot of people but i would say if i want to be pessimistic about it you know if i'm listening someone from you know my parents generation like well the internet's not going to solve all the problems and you know yeah that's true it's totally not but you also don't see on the internet like um you know for the most part, 
women's groups supporting each other in this way. It's just like, well, when you're at the casino and you've had like 16 gin and tonics, it's best not to split aces, okay? And <laughs> and and maybe if you're leaving your kid in the car, leave him with a walkie-talkie. No, it's the, the advice is good. Right. It's not bad advice. You're not, you know, you're not seeing like um you know, I make I make light of it. I'm sure there's you know people with various problems, but you're seeing mostly good advice. People are supporting each other in positive ways, and 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 that's a great thing to see because we're all like the world is changing for the better in a lot of ways. Um, the parents are becoming, I think, more conscientious about how their children are raised and how their children uh, are going to function in society. And, and we're bringing up these kids in, in a very positive way. And I, I noticed that. I'm a little bit different age group than you. I noticed the, the positive things about... Uh, I mean, if I want to know something about... If you look on my Google search, uh, uh, you'll find, um, you know, how to raise like a 10-year-old daughter. Things, you know, that you skip or not skip. Because you know how I am. I'm like, yeah, I, I got this. Okay, first what you want to do... <laughs> is uh you know archery in the backyard that should cover most of the day you know and then you teach them how to make buns once you're done that that's all you know any boys come to the door you intimidate them and get them the heck out of there that's parenting 101 no that's not mm-hmm. you, you you know you go to the experts and 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 uh, anyway, so I think it's a great thing. And it's, you know, you bring up a good point, too, of it just the way that parents are thinking about their children, which I think is at the root of this conversation today with Danica is like she's thinking about her kids and how she's best supporting them in her role as a mom. Right. right? And how, you know, there is an element of you know, yes, the social media can be harsh, the communities can be harsh, but there's also a gentleness, like, you know, being gentle with yourself and how you feel about things or feeling validated rather than just buck up and do the things that parents are expected to do. Like there's different ways to do things and the tools that we have at our fingertips to find our place and how we like to do things and feel yeah. supported in said role. So I yeah. thought it was a really um, interesting conversation and definitely had me wondering, you know, where I pull my inspiration from for parenting. And yeah, um, well, it's a simple thing. The concept, when I first heard of it, I was like, yeah, I guess that's no big deal, you know, but it actually, if you were put yourself in her shoes, you kind of go, Oh, there's a lot to that. Right. The things that you take for granted, Exactly. Yeah, it was very, I liked it. It was a really nice chat. Well, Dean, thanks for popping in, listening to this one. Hey, I'm glad to offer my uh, very uh, messed up opinion on anything, really. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you with another episode next week. Friendo Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Amanda Muse. Music on this episode is written by Chris Bevins and Mike Payne, performed and produced by MP Real Glow. If you'd like to help support the growth of Friendo Podcast, you can do so by leaving a positive review, sharing the podcast with your friends and community, and supporting the shop at hellofriendo.com. Find us on Instagram at shophellofriendo. And thank you for listening. And remember, be your own bird. Bird.